Last week was virtual settlement days for Kansas City. This episode's this episode brings a report of how the virtual settlement days went. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. This last week was the virtual settlement days in Kansas City for August 26 through 29 in 2020, so they were scheduled for a Wednesday through Saturday, though we wound up not doing anything on the Saturday. So to begin with, what are the virtual settlement days? Well, in recent years, there has been an increase in settlement days with the IRS counsel that they have been focused on resolving various cases earlier so that there is not a need for them to go to trial if the parties can come to a successful resolution earlier. Now, often the settlement days are in conjunction with an upcoming tax court docket calendar, so they are working to resolve various cases before they would be going to trial. And so there have been presentations at the American Bar Association conferences for the section of taxation on settlement days. But now with the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a push to have the settlement days done virtually. And certainly all of the success so far with the settlement days has encouraged the IRS to push to do more settlement days. It is good publicity for everyone, and it eases the workloads that it can be a bit of a win-win for everyone. Now, often low-income taxpayer clinics, potentially the American Bar Association or other bar associations and pro bono attorneys or other volunteers take part as third parties to provide assistance and counsel to the various taxpayers to let them know what is happening in the tax process or in the legal process and to help them evaluate just what kind of settlement they are getting, what can be done with their case, and if they need assistance moving forward, just what their options are. So like I was saying, the virtual settlement days for Kansas City were scheduled for August 26 through 29. Now through different circumstances, I believe the other Kansas City clinics were focused on special projects that kept them busy. So several of the taxpayers were directed to my clinic. And so I was the main one working with clients focused on getting them settled in the cases. I wound up working on six cases during that time period and talking to them in the days during August that they were contacted. So six taxpayers contacted me regarding their cases. 
Only one of them was a case connected with the upcoming October 5 tax court docket. So many of the cases on the October 5 docket were still with appeals. So the IRS focused on different other cases that were not docketed that were potentially ones that could be resolved. So some of these cases perhaps had been with appeals or were in that appeals process, but to some degree there was a bit of a bypass and they were working with counsel to get those cases settled. Now, while I'm thinking about the process, it involved getting a contact for a WebEx meeting, and this is similar to Zoom or other video conference call processes that you may be familiar with by now, that there was the capability for a meeting between IRS counsel, myself, and the taxpayer, each of us to be involved with audio and video capability. There is a chat function. You are able to mute your sound. And so I was able to use that when speaking with clients privately. But for clients who are off-site, I talked through with them that it might be necessary for us to have a private phone call outside of the WebEx meeting if we needed to discuss anything privately beyond what we are discussing with IRS counsel. So I am going to touch on the six different taxpayers who contacted me. The first one was the wife of a married couple. I did not see actual documents, so this is my understanding of what happened, that her husband was looking into drawing disability, and they had gone back and forth about him receiving those payments during the year. Eventually, I believe that they had said no to the payments, but the Social Security was making them. But then they ultimately decided they did not want to receive those payments. Well, they were instructed to return those payments, and the deadline was December 31st of that year, but they got those paid back by January of the next year. I'm not quite sure what was involved with the tax consequences. It might have been the year of receipt of the income, but I talked things through with the wife, and she was generally upset with Social Security and the government in general, and I had to talk her through that this was not the fault of the IRS, and they were just focused on the tax consequences. So they had paid off the liability so they would not have any other interest or penalties accruing, and their ultimate decision was not to fight it any further, but to concede the case. So the other five, they did wind up working with me. The first was on the Wednesday morning of August 26, that a non-custodial father had been claiming his son from year to year as a dependent, 
it was in the divorce paperwork that he was supposed to, and he had not submitted the Form 8332 with the tax return, but submitted it later after being audited. And in talking with IRS counsel, it was that the ex-wife had claimed both of the children that year, so that led to him getting audited. But in reviewing the paperwork, IRS counsel agreed to allow him the dependency exemption and child tax credit related to the claiming of his son. On the Thursday morning, there was a doctor who was working multiple jobs during the year, and he was claiming employee-related business expenses and was audited. He had different mileage and other expenses that he had claimed or that he needed to gather in making his claim. So he agreed to submit those within the next 15 days. He had mentioned to me and my assistant Deborah that in filing his taxes, he generally claimed less than what were actual expenses. And so we were trying to advise him to be more accurate in his future tax preparation, though we will see how that takes on in the future. The Thursday afternoon, I worked with an individual who had a nonprofit that he had filed a Form 990-EZ instead of a 990 for that year. He had enough income that he was qualified to file the nonprofit form, the 990 that year. Well, he amended his return, but the way he did it, it looked like he was actually reporting the same income twice. He explained everything to the IRS counsel, and they agreed with his accounting, so they were going to straighten it out. Now, I thought this was generous because he actually had a collection due process case not a deficiency case. So this is going to mean that the IRS has to work with appeals and perhaps other departments to straighten things out. So he no longer has that liability and it may mean more work than just a typical deficiency case. The Friday morning, I worked with an partly an innocent spouse and a tax court case that this was a woman who had applied for Kansas Legal Services and I was willing to assist her on her tax issues. But the more I dug into it, the more I found that this was the second of three tax court cases that she had filed based on deficiencies. So one had already been decided one was set for the October 5 calendar for Kansas City, and the other is in Wichita, but not on a docket. Now, she was trying for filing all of the cases in Wichita, and you can do that for small tax cases, but the second one was actually $3,000 over the $50,000 small tax case limit, so she was directed to the Kansas City docket, 
and was scheduled for an October 5 case. Well, as I was digging into it, for one, she had filed jointly for that year, but also filed an innocent spouse request for this tax court case that is docketed. There is an S corporation and rental property involved. And as I was having trouble sorting out the ownership of the property, I discussed it with IRS counsel and we agreed to continue the case. So that is the plan moving forward on that one. The last case was on the Friday afternoon. A retiree that knew of two 1099-R forms he received. One was a rollover and the other was a defaulted loan. Those were both reported on his tax return. But the IRS had unreported income from two more 1099-Rs, each of them about $25,000, so a total of about $50,000 of additional income. Well, we contacted Fidelity about his retirement accounts, and he actually had received pension payments on a monthly basis that year and had cashed out his IRA. So it turned out that the $50,000 of additional income was accurate. He already had a installment agreement set up for other tax deficiencies that were prior. So he asked for my later help to consolidate those payment plans for him in the future. No one had contacted me about any assistance on the Saturday, and I was not so willing to give up my, my Saturday, so we did not schedule anything for that day, and it wound up being three days for the virtual settlement days instead of four. Now, I did not feel like anyone was trying to defraud the government or avoid paying taxes. That several of the taxpayers I worked with had made common mistakes, but I was disappointed that it took until this point to get resolutions for the taxpayers. Some of them said how examinations or auditors did not take their documents into account that they had submitted, and the non-custodial father submitted the correct form so his mother could talk to the IRS on his behalf, but that had not been honored by the IRS. But what I found the most helpful was that Kansas City IRS Council was friendly, reasonable, and they were willing to listen to the taxpayers. I worked with one attorney and the main supervisor of the council attorneys and the lead paralegal with IRS Council and I would say that about all of them, friendly, reasonable, and willing to listen, that they worked to resolve the cases and several of those cases got resolved. Some tips I have if you have a virtual settlement day coming is I would say to work with the taxpayers to gather what documents you are able to beforehand and to fax them or, or submit them to the IRS beforehand that do not expect that IRS counsel already has a copy of the documents 
if these are documents that you want to discuss during your settlement conference. Now, some of the taxpayers were not wanting to give me any documents beforehand or were not the best in communicating. So that is not always easy to do. But if you do receive documents, it is good to fax them over because that conference with the non-custodial father, we wound up having some different documents that we wanted to send to the IRS that were faxed during the conference call. And so there wound up being a little bit of waiting time as we were faxing and then waiting for the IRS to receive the documents that could have been cut out if we just had faxed the documents beforehand. Now for the taxpayers that were came to my office and some of this, I think it worked out that the taxpayers were contacting me because I had said to the IRS, I was willing to be a host site for the taxpayers in calling the IRS because my office has internet access and we were able to use a projector screen so that the taxpayers could see what I could regarding the video call. So that generally worked out for them to be in my office. Now the ones that did not come to my office, they had more trouble in connecting to the video conferences, the WebEx meetings. One of them called in separately using her phone and the other person eventually connected, but he did not have his video set up, so we only heard him talking. But overall, I felt like the IRS virtual settlement days were all a success. Most of them were able to get resolved. One of them, we set a deadline for the taxpayer to submit documents. And then there was the continuance I will be submitting regarding the October 5 tax court deadline. But generally, we are all working with the IRS to get resolutions that there were settled cases that I felt good about helping several of the taxpayers. And we are able to get several of the Kansas City Council tax court cases resolved and off their workload. So they are able to focus on other more urgent work and have an easier caseload. So like I mentioned earlier, I think the settlement days can be a win-win situation for people who take part in the process. It is my experience that if people are showing up for the IRS calendar call and the IRS has prepped for trial, they are most likely looking at going to trial since they have prepared rather than putting forth settlement offers by that point. So since the IRS virtual settlement day process is pretty new, I hope this has been useful to you in learning about the virtual settlement day process. Thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. 
Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.